Well, welcome to How to Actually Change the World. My name is Darvin Wentes. I'm your host today. Uh, again, Ray is not here today. Uh, please be in prayer for her as she recovers. Um, but we're so thankful that she was able to go and get the surgery that she needed. Uh, today, we have an awesome guest. But before we get into our guest, please like, subscribe, go ahead and hit that bell notification, hit that like button, go ahead, leave all the comments, do all the things so that way this podcast can get out to more people and so you can get notified every single time we drop an episode. So our guest today, Carrie Jacobs, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. It's good to be back on the campus. Yes, yes. This is awesome that you're on campus. Could you tell our audience while you're back on campus, you had you did your degree here. I did. So I was here um, at Regent University from, I think I started in 2010, finished um, the MBA program in 2013, um, but have been a good friend of the university from that point on through uh, some business relationships and partnerships that yeah. we've actually created over the last decade. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's that's been awesome. great. So tell us a little bit about your professional, like what are you doing right now? <laughs> what do I what, what do I do when yeah. I've grown up? Um, <laughs> uh, so right now I uh, have the privilege of serving as the president and general manager of WTSP, which is the CBS affiliate in Tampa, St. Pete, Florida. That's awesome. Um, so I've been down there for about three and a half years now in that role, and prior to that, I served in the same role here. Uh, in Norfolk, Virginia Beach area with WVEC, the ABC affiliate here. So that's same company, awesome. two different stations, two different markets. Yeah, that's super cool. So this this market, this area, this is kind of a, another home. This you, this right? is this is home. I um, had been living in this area for, I guess, about twenty five years. My husband's from this area originally. I have family here and still spend a lot of time here. Coming back for holidays, weekends. And yeah, yeah. And there's a holiday coming up, Thanksgiving. So yes, yes. You're so here get for to, the holiday, get right? to spend it with the family. So glad to come and join you guys today yeah. for a little bit as well. We're so glad you were able to carve out a little bit of time for us and to spend some time with us and spend some time on campus. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of a cold day, but but hopefully you can walk around and, and enjoy the campus beauty. Well, it was interesting. My daughter's here with me today. And when we walked up to the building, I pointed out a couple areas. When she was two years old, we had wow. photos of her taken here on the campus. And they just were spectacular. It was that's a good awesome. reminder of just how beautiful the campus is. Yeah, that's such a great memory. Yeah. That's super cool. Uh, so uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the like your job over in Tampa. Tell us a little bit about your world. What What is it that you do as president and general manager of a, a media company? Right. So it is, um, so it's a CBS affiliate. And mm -hmm. so we run both local news and syndicated programming. We run over 35 hours of news a week. Um, and that's, wow. you know, live. So we're a 24-7, yeah. 365 operation, just as any of your um, local affiliates are. Yeah. Um, so I oversee a variety of departments from the news department, uh, technology, finance, marketing, wow. you know, the advertising and the revenue department as well. Um, all in, we have about 160 employees locally wow. in Tampa, some others spread throughout the country. Um, you were part of a much larger company uh, called Tegna. Hmm. So we actually have 64 TV stations across the country. That's awesome. So some days I am, you know, working on vision and strategy. Some yeah. days I seem to be an HR person dealing with personnel issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I'm interviewing and some days I'm meeting with clients. So you know, I really get to, to do a lot of different things and every day looks different, yeah. which, which I I love. Yeah, I would, cool. I would not do well doing the same thing day in and day out. Yeah, very much a generalist. You, you do all yes, the things. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. 
That is awesome. So what what's life like down in Tampa? What, could you give us a little bit about the area? Like what? How have you enjoyed being down there? You know, it's been fantastic. It has been um, a, a really great. Uh, we've really enjoyed the area. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's admit when it's 32 up here, it might be 72, 78 down yep. there, and I can still go out on the boat in January <laughs> or dining outside on patios in December. So that part of it is great. It, the, the part that I love about it is the same as here. There's water everywhere. You mm-hmm. know, water is good for the good for my soul, and yeah. I know for a lot. Oh, yeah, for mine So too. I didn't have to give that piece <laughs> of it up, so I was able to kind of get that uh, down there as well. The, the advantages have been it's a much larger market than Norfolk, so I've mm-hmm. had to uh, learn and grow and do things that I never had the opportunity to do here because yeah. we have a lot of professional sports teams down there, you know. Yep. When Tom Brady moves to the market, there's yep. a whole lot of chatter and excitement around yeah. it, you know. When you got a hockey team that's winning back-to-back Stanley Cups, mm-hmm. there's a lot of excitement there. And then you got the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, that are making it to the playoffs in the World Series awesome. over the last several years. So that has just provided some really unique experiences that you know I hadn't had here previously. Yeah, yeah that's cool. You know, I I moved down here from Pennsylvania. Where in Pennsylvania? Uh, Lebanon, Pennsylvania. Okay. So it's central PA, real close to Harrisburg, Hershey, that area. Uh, And so I moved down here thinking I moved to warmer climates. And I did, you know, in part. It's still a little cold here in the winter. But you moved from here down to 70 degrees during December. That is phenomenal. I still have to get my snow in, though. So I still have to come (laughs) back. Still love to go out, go skiing. Uh, You know, still head up to West Virginia, go to snowshoe quite a bit. So I... Yeah, I could, I'll just have to fly back for the snow. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, you were here for a little while in Hampton Roads. Long you, time, yep. You lived here for most of your life. Uh, did, did you grow up here? No, I didn't. I grew up in Huntington, West Virginia. Okay. And so I grew up in West Virginia and then went to school at a University of Kentucky. Gotcha. And then right after I graduated, I graduated on Friday and I moved down here on Saturday and I started wow. my very first job in radio on that Monday. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah, did not, is... did not take a breath at all and yeah. haven't since then. <laughs> yeah. Would you tell us a little bit about your MBA program? So you did your MBA here. I did. Um you know, it's it was an interesting journey and one that I did not expect. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I came into it. I started researching MBA programs, and Regent, frankly, wasn't on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why, because my husband actually graduated from Regent with a law degree. That's awesome. Um, but for some reason, when I started looking at programs, you know, I looked at the ODU, I looked at the William & Mary, I looked at a couple mm-hmm. of others, I looked at some online, and Regent wasn't on my radar for some reason. Um, and when I... Th- when I thought about getting the MBA at the at that time, I, I think it was a box I had to check. You know, I felt like it was an important degree to get to help me propel my career. Yeah, like that's how I went into it. Um, how I came out of it was a completely different journey than what I expected. But mm-hmm. when I was evaluating programs, I was working um, over at Cox Communications at the time, which okay. is you know right down the street, and um, we had a marketing meeting with your marketing team. Mm-hmm. And several folks came in and we were talking about, you know, the annual campaigns and how we were going to help them market. And that's when it clicked. I was like, why have, haven't I looked at Regent University? Yeah. Because I had a good relationship with them as a, as a client. Mm-hmm. Um, so I brought it up on that meeting and I said, you know, me and a couple of my coworkers here have been looking at master's programs. And your team here ended up setting up a private meet and greet 
for a couple of Cox employees. That's awesome. So they set it up. We came over here. We met in the student center. They yeah. cut, we had three different professors, including Dr. Stone, who is you know still I, I'm still in touch with and still friends with today. And they did a kind of a private meet and greet with us That's and just awesome. talked to us about the program and how they work through it. And that that sold me right there. Yeah. So I signed up then started my program. The other two co-workers that came through that same meet and greet ended up completing their master's program through Regent as well. So, so great. I felt like if Regent was going to give me that kind of experience on the upfront, mm-hmm. where all of my other research, um, it was filling out forms and applications, and I had no personal communication with anybody. Mm-hmm. So that really had an impact, and that drove you know, my decision to come here for the yeah. program. Yeah, praise God. That's awesome. Uh, so... You know, I, that's something that I really enjoyed, too, about the campus. I'm also a graduate uh, from an undergrad program, not the master's program, but I really did enjoy that personal touch. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're speaking to this, they're, the professors are coming and talking with you. They're coming and seeing you on the, on the upfront. Uh, you're getting that personal touch from Regent, and that, that's just a really great part of our university. I really love that, too. And that sold me when I came here. Uh, so I actually came to a student event. Like um, it was called SOAR. It's when it's an orientation, but it's kind of before you. You don't need to be enrolled to go to SOAR. Right. Uh, and I wasn't fully set that I was going to Regent at that point. And so I like once I got to SOAR and saw just how much everyone was actually coming and talking to you, they had the, the breakout sessions uh, and they also had people from Regent students that were there that were coming and speaking with you at SOAR, it sold me right away. And that, that's really cool to you know, kind of see that experience a little bit through a professor's eyes, professors coming in and talking to you and that selling you. They uh, did. And, and that, that wasn't just at the beginning. I, I felt that all the way through yeah. and even in the years after. Yeah. Um, I'll give you an example. When I was over at uh, WVEC um, 13 News Now, we had the idea because the MBA program at the time was very focused on entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And we talked a lot about, you know, developing and creating your own business. And the projects all culminated in a full blown business plan that you put together. Well, when I got uh, when I was at WVEC, we had the idea like we could expand on that. So we ended up creating a pilot program for a 30 minute show called Hampton Roads Business Weekly Mm -hmm. because we wanted to be able to focus on the local business community entrepreneurs in the area, kind of take what we learned at Region and the focus of the program and how could we put a bigger spotlight on that. So what we did is we created a pilot program. I actually brought in some of my professors Mm -hmm. back from the MBA program to test drive the pilot program to kind of fine tune that. And that was Dr. Stone, Dr. Oster, who we lost fairly recently. Mm -hmm. Um, Dean Gomez came in and they became our partners to help create this program that ultimately over the next several years we partnered on and we were able to highlight who knows, hundreds of you know small business owners, medium-sized business owners yeah. and leaders in the area. So it was a project I was really proud of. And, that's awesome. You know, one that was developed in conjunction with Regent. Yeah, I think that's really great, too. You're showcasing the community and you're being involved in our community. And it, well, that's, them, yeah, that's what you know? being in media is all about, especially in television with that local yep. journalism, being able to tell those local stories. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And that that's partly of what we want to do here. We want to tell the stories of our alumni. We want to know about your story and the things that you're doing. Um, So would you tell us a little bit about some fun stuff about Carrie Jacobs? I mean, it's super fun to be president and general manager of of a company, but what, what are some fun things about you? 
Oof, fun things. Let's see. <laughs> uh, my very first job, I was 15 years old. I was a ski instructor at a ski resort. That's fun. I taught little kids how to ski. Yeah, so that was fun. <laughs> um, spent many years as an emergency medical technician and wow. also volunteered at that same ski resort as yeah. a, a medical ski patrol on the mountain there, picking up folks with unfortunate injuries and Were you on, ailments. on a ski mobile or is that what they're called? Snowmobiles. A, a snowmobile. Yeah, yes. I, I, I would pull people back in a sled and like get them down to the lift so and get great. them into the clinic. Um, you know, certainly enjoy a lot of family time. Like I mentioned, my 13 year old daughter is here. So mm -hmm. getting to kind of relive life through her eyes and her experiences yeah. has been great. And obviously we live in beach communities, anything out on the water. And, mm -hmm. you know, that is, um, it's a, just a great way to spend time. And the rest of the time, I just love spending with friends and family. Yeah. So how would you say that you uh, like relax from all of the, the stressors of work? I mean, there's so much so much that you have to do in your role, you know? So how do you actually recharge and go into that role fresh? Yeah, I will tell you, it has been um, more of a challenge to do that in the last year and a half than I think I've ever experienced in my career. Mm. Um, and I'm, I, I am actually struggling with that a little bit. I will tell you, being on the water is an instant decompressor yeah. you know if I can even just go for a walk on the sand or along a waterfront mm -hmm. or go out on the boat for an hour which I know is a luxury don't get me wrong but that is um an instant kind of decompression yeah. I can feel it if I'm not in the gym as often as I should be mm -hmm. I can feel the stress kind of layering on so I've got to have that kind of physical stress relief mm -hmm. um I took this entire week off for the first time yeah. I've taken a full week off in over a year wow but I know I need it and yeah. uh, you know I've, I've got to be able to back out of that. And sometimes it's difficult to do that when you're a 365 day, 24 seven operation mm -hmm. on a constant news cycle. Um, it can be very difficult to check out, but I'm very fortunate. I've got an incredible leadership team. Uh, the senior leaders that I work with, they're phenomenal at what they do. Mm -hmm. They know how to run and like build and run great teams. So I'm able to, you know, they've got my back, I've got their back yeah. and that, that makes all the difference. Yeah. That's, that's really awesome. I want to go into that a little bit in our sure. next segment, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with you guys. For 10 years in a row, U.S. News & World Report has ranked Regent University the number one online bachelor's degree in Virginia. U.S. News also ranked Regent as a top national university among colleges like Harvard, Yale, and Princeton. Regent is dedicated to providing high-quality, Christ-centered education that will equip you for a lifetime of influence and impact. Learn more about Regent University at www.regent.edu. Welcome back. We have been having such a fun conversation. This has been really cool kind of digging into Carrie's mind about some of the things that she's doing. One thing that I wanted to dig a little bit further in on was this idea of having a good leadership team around you. You're the the leader of your team, president, general manager. That's a pretty lofty title. Um, pretty cool that you were able to get to that role. How important is it to have those people underneath you that are strong leaders themselves? Because you obviously can't be the person telling the news team what they have to be doing on the day to day. You know, you obviously can't be telling them what to even be doing on the week to week. Like it, it has to be a strong, like relationship between people. So how do you manage that? I, I think it is the most 
important factor that will determine an organization's success is mm-hmm. the strength of its leadership team because I, I had a conversation. We had a, a, an offsite last week with our uh, our advertising and revenue team, and we were talking about the strength of the team. And that team right now within the building is a very high-performing, high-functioning team. And any of you who have been a part of a team before know that that's hard to maintain and sustain over a long period of time. And, yeah. and our sales team has been able to do that for over a year. And I told him, I, I said, you know what, I can't create that. And the, my director of sales, who's the senior leader of that operation, he can't create that just by, you know, waving a magic wand and mm-hmm. saying, bam, we're going to be a high performing team. It has to be an all in effort. And especially with the leadership team. So, you know, I'm going to be charged with setting kind of the vision and the, the the outline of the strategy, but those senior leaders have got to fill in the blanks underneath that on, okay, this is where we're going to go and kind of the generals on how we're going to get there. I need them to help define what specifically we need to do to meet those goals. Um, How is it going to work best for their teams? How are they going to define success for all of their team leaders? Um, I had a a boss, the the gentleman who brought me to Tampa, Peter Diaz, phenomenal leader. Mm-hmm. And he asked me a question. He said, if you were to leave this organization tomorrow, who would you take with you? Mm. So, you know, we would kind of run through that list. And he said, if you didn't put them on their list, on your list, why are they still working for you today? Yeah. And that's a tough question. Yeah. But he said, the higher up you go in leadership, the more honest you've got to be with yourself. You know, yes, there's a developmental phase, People are going to fall down. you got to help yep. lift them back up again. But ultimately, you know, the charge is to build success with the team you have. And to do that, you've got to have the smartest, brightest people. And yep. I hope the people that are working for me are people who want my job. Yep. I'm not threatened by that. I encourage it because yep. I've got to also create succession plans. Yeah. Yeah. And I want for to sure. have a team around me that is just ready to take charge and ready to go to the next level and have that same level of passion and optimism about what they do and, and mm-hmm. people who really care about their team members. And I'm lucky to have that in Tampa. Yeah, praise God. That's so cool. You know, hearing it from a leader from the top of the top, I think is such an important thing for people to, to hear out in the audience is like, we aren't, if you are at the bottom and you have just started out in your career and you have jumped into something, be a leader. Like go and and start, you know, yes. learning those skills to be a leader. You do you not know? need a title yep. to be a leader. Yep. Ever. Yeah. And That's... we encourage that in the organization. So I'll do leadership development workshops uh, with people that have expressed that they have interest in moving up, mm-hmm. people that we think have potential to move up. I'll work through um, some workshops with them over, I think I've done two groups getting ready to do a third group right now of helping you know, non-titled leaders, let's mm-hmm. say, giving them some of those uh, experiences, the knowledge, the skills, having them work through scenarios of like this. These are some of the things you're going to face. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the concepts that I really learned here at Regent that plays into that is the concept of servant leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, really, no matter what my title is or what level in the organization, you know, my role is really to help serve others. Yeah. And I think coaching on leadership skills and that leadership development is part of servant leadership. And I think it's a, a critical part to ensure the future success yeah. of any organization. Yeah. Do you think that you in the past, have you ever experienced, you know, times where you didn't feel like, you know, because I'm sure there's a lot of people who are like, I once I get this title, I'm that's when I have all the authority to go do these things. And that's when I can actually say we have to do this. Was there ever a time where you didn't feel the confidence 
to do that um, in your non-titled roles in the past? So like what were some of those challenges of trying to become a leader for yourself? Uh, um, I'm kind of a little bit like a polite bulldozer in some cases. <laughs> so if there were some roadblocks along the way, I may not have noticed them <laughs> like some <laughs> others. And I will just fully admit that. Yeah. However, I will say when I was over at um, – I was I was at Cox Communications, and and I say this in all you know with all good and and uh, yeah. heart because I really enjoyed my experience over there. It's a very large organization with a lot of different employees, a lot of different work groups, um, mm-hmm. and I'd come from the broadcast station that's very media centric. Yeah. So learning how to navigate a much larger organization was tricky, and I was a mid level manager at the time. And what I found is that it was very easy for people to say no when there were new ideas or because I'm an innovator, you know, I'm curious. I constantly want to try something new or different. I I found a lot of people were willing to say no. And I had to work harder to find those people that would say, you know, maybe we could do this or maybe we could try this. So it became kind of my mission while I was within Cox to find people who would say maybe, or let's give it a try. So I had to work through a lot of no's to get there, but I learned a lot of lessons in that as well. So I considered that a very valuable experience. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, what's one of those lessons from just a a snapshot of the lessons that you learned while throughout all the no's of like things to look for, how you, how you actually Ooh, this is like a poker tell that you're asking (laughs) me to give up here. You don't have to share any names here. No, I won't share any names. (laughs) I think that if you can present ideas and concepts in a way that gets the person across the table involved in the discussion mm-hmm. to where it becomes your idea together, yep. not just my idea. Like I, I feel like you have more success kind of building on concepts when it's several people coming to the table and ideas. Yeah. So I could care less about getting credit for any idea or initiative. I don't want the credit. I just want it to work. Yep. And it's going to work better if we have more brains coming into the mix and at the onset in the very beginning of it. Yeah. So I can get buy-in faster the more people that I involve in that. At the same time, you know, again, no ego, no credit. I don't I don't care about the, the credit piece of it because yeah. we just want it to work because it's the right thing to do oftentimes for the organization or, or for the people yeah. in the organization. Yeah. So as a leader, when you are talking with your leader, leadership team mm-hmm. and training your leadership team and supporting your leadership team, how how do you see some of the things that you've gone through, how have you been able to impart those things into your people? You said that you did some uh, some workshops. Yes. Uh, how else how, how else do you impart some of that wisdom and leadership that you have into your leadership team? Well, first of all, it's hoping they don't make some of the same mistakes I made, or you know, trying yeah. to yeah. trying to share with them experiences that have gone well, but also sharing them experiences that maybe didn't go so well mm-hmm. and the why behind it and what I learned from it and hoping maybe they can avoid some missteps maybe that I have made along the way. Yeah. I was given my first leadership opportunity at 26 years old. I mean, I had wow. hardly any experience in the workforce. Like, I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> I was grateful, but man, I was wet behind the ears, as they say. And I, you know, really had a lot to learn. Yeah. And I, I, I stepped in some mud puddles and made some big mistakes. I'm glad I made them earlier in my career. Yeah. You know, and, and I'll still make some today. We're all going to make mistakes. There's a couple of um, 
leadership lessons though over the years that I think if you can use storytelling, it, it really can help resonate. Yeah. And one of them I came across when I was studying here at Reed University, and I use it like crazy because it really helps visualize different types of leadership. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what the exercise was or what the class was, but we were discussing styles of leadership and I ran across an article that was done on, it compared leadership to symphony conductors hmm. and jazz band leaders. Okay. So if you think of it and you kind yeah. of visualize in your head, you know, what happens in a symphony? Mm -hmm. Everybody is lined up. You know exactly where you have to sit, exactly what you're yep. supposed to do. Everybody's playing from the same music. You have the conductor actually pointing at you, telling you, yep. this is what I want you to do. This is how loud, louder, softer, faster, slower. Yep. Very directional leadership. There's no freestyling. Mm -hmm. But if you think of the opposite of that, the jazz band leader, mm -hmm. you can't, you know, when you're watching a, a, a great jazz band, you can't really tell who the leader is, yep. right? Because they're playing off each other. I mean, they're, they're all playing the same, you know, melody. They're all, you know, playing the same song, but you can't really tell who the leader is. And then yep. you got the drum solo that kind of comes up. Then he mm -hmm. knows when it's time to fade out. And, you know, then you got the bass solo that comes you're up. You're speaking my language. I love jazz. <laughs> right. But as a leadership lesson for our leaders, they need to understand there are times to be a jazz band leader yep. and there are times you have to be a symphony conductor. Yep. And recognizing when to swing in and out of those styles can really help a leader be successful. Yeah. Because being just one of those isn't going to be as adaptable to the situation. I'll give you an yeah. Like, I'm typically a jazz band leader. Like, that's yeah. where I love to live. When Hurricane Ian came through, mm -hmm. what was it, just over a month, month and a half yeah, ago, not long. we had to evacuate our entire station because wow. with the path of the storm, we would have been underwater. We had to evacuate the entire station. We had to relocate the entire news operation to another much smaller facility. Mm -hmm. And we had a very limited window of time. Mother Nature was not going to wait for yeah. us. Yeah. I immediately had to shift and be a symphony conductor. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what we're going to do, who's going to do it, this when we're going to do it. Yeah. No, we're not questioning this. We yeah. got to move. We got to go, go, go. Yeah. So recognizing those times where you've got to swing in and out of those leadership styles. But I think that's like a great example of you can really visualize yeah. like, okay, I get it. Yep. Yeah, and th I think that that's such an important thing to remember is that leadership isn't just going in one direction and that's it. Your direction's the direction. Like, and that, I think you brought up something in, it, very important is being innovators, being idea bringers. We we bring it to the table, but we want others to join in on the idea and not to be just our idea. And it shouldn't be just our idea because then that's not an organization. That's just you. You know, the organization as a whole is going towards one goal together and or multiple goals, you know, depending on what you're what you're bringing to the table. But uh, multiple goals together, one goal together. Right. And you want it to be together. You don't want it to be just, hey, you're going to be my minion. It's, hey, we're going to do this together. Here's where you fit best. Here's the skills and talents and things that you're very good at. Here's the skills and talents and things that I'm very good at. Let's try to put these together and make an actual pie, you know? And so I think that's super important, especially to hear, and I keep harping on this, but, you know, to hear from someone who is in a top leadership position, that is so important that you have that same mindset because then that everyone else around you, because, and that's kind of a symphony like conductor right there. If your mindset's like that, then there's likely to be a lot of other people in the symphony and you can pick out which flutes need to be, you know, need to be gone and which ones need to stay 
because they are in that same mindset, mission mindset together. Yeah, and this year, um, well, last year and this year, our theme has been uh, excellence from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And you know that that's really what it's all about. Do we get it right all the time? No, yeah. <laughs> you know. And it, and when you set themes, they're aspirational themes by design. Yep. But really putting that focus on the employee first. And again, you know, we, we steer too far left. Sometimes we steer too far right. But at the heart of what I want to do is make sure everybody everybody in this organization has value. And you could have been here for one month. I need to pick your brain because you're going to see things that we, we've had the blinders on. Yeah. And I always tell new employees that. I'm like, your first 60 days, I need you to keep notes on what are some things that you just think, we, you know, why in the world do they do it this way? Yep. You know, why? There's a much easier way. I was like, yeah. I need to hear that from new employees especially. Yeah, for sure. Because we just, you know, we, we get on autopilot sometimes and a new mm-hmm. employee can see things so clearly that have gotten so blurry for us. Yeah, yeah, that that's a really cool point too is like, Someone who has fresh eyes, their value is in that freshness it and really also their is. talents. Yes. You know, their talents and skills are important and those are getting molded and growing as they go throughout the throughout the organization. But that freshness is such a like a benefit. That is such an asset to the business, you know, because they can see things you you haven't. That's, Absolutely. That's a really great point. Um so we're running close on time here. So I'm going to ask our final question. Ooh, are you going to uh, make it a tough one? <laughs> this one can be as tough as you want it to be okay. or as easy as you want it to be. Um, we ask this of all of our guests. Uh, it's cool to get their unique perspectives on it, uh, especially in the industries that they're in, the worlds that they're in. Um, the question is, how does someone actually change the world? It's a lofty question that doesn't necessarily have to be lofty if you don't want it to be. But if you if you dream in the big, and please do. Uh, but we'd love to get your perspective on how does someone actually change the world? Change the world, that's a big one. <laughs> that is a big one. Um, have you ever seen the uh, TED Talk, Simon Sinek? Simon Sinek, and he talks about like, seen part of your it, big yes. why. Yep. I, I bet the thing is... 15 years old, maybe more. And he, he uses Apple as a description of why. And, it, and number one, it's it's all about understanding, you know, what your core value is, your your core personal mission is. And I think yeah. that it has to start with that first. And I, I remember watching that video. I was like, wow, that's fascinating. And I was like, what is my why? And yeah. I wasn't really sure. Hmm. Um, and it took me a while to figure it out. I think it just took time in my career to figure it out. And I, it's probably going to change again in another 10 years. Mm-hmm. But I think what it boiled it down to now for me today is I love building businesses. I love building teams and I love helping people build their careers. Hmm. So for me, it's those three things that I think are that drive the passion. Yeah. So within that, you know, I, I'm in an industry where I'm very fortunate. I work with over a thousand different businesses, I can help them grow their business. And by helping them grow their business, it helps them support an employee base, which in turn helps them support their families, Mm -hmm. you know, and helps kind of rise that ship up, let's say, you know, in building teams, you know, giving people purpose and passion. I think those are the two key things behind, you know, genuine happiness and fulfillment. So if Mm -hmm. I can help people with purpose and passion and keep them going in the right direction there. And sometimes that could mean them stepping away from the organization too. And that's okay if it no longer fits their purpose and passion. I think that's a path you can take to help change the world. It may not be for the world itself, but for individuals in the world. 
And then the third thing in building careers, like that to me is the most satisfying of, you know, when I see people around me growing in their careers, getting Mm -hmm. promotions, um, to me, that's just uh, incredibly rewarding. So I guess those are the three paths that that I am fortunate enough to be able to help, I hope, change the world maybe for several people, yeah. hundreds of people, yeah. you know, maybe even thousands of people. And I, I remind my teams of that every day, just in the industry we're in, um, from the advertising side of growing business to the journalism side of telling the stories that really matter, mm-hmm. from the weather side of really protecting people and, you yeah. know, making sure they're informed, they're prepared. Um, so I'm in an industry that we have the ability to, to change people's lives and change them for the better every single day. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very privileged and, and proud to be able to play a role in that. Oh, that's awesome. I, and I, I would say, yes, definitely changing the world for these people, you know, is the people that you're affecting that is changing the world. So that is super, super cool. Thank you so much for giving us your perspective on that. And thank you for joining us on the show. It's been awesome to have you. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, two things for your students. If, yes. if you got incoming students, two things that I wish I would have known then in school that I feel like um, – if you could do more of, it will be beneficial. Number one, take more finance classes. Yes. Take more finance. Whether you own your own business or work for somebody, you are always going to need finance. And number two, and this is a recent one, take more classes around psychology hmm. and you know organizational psychology. Yeah. Very critical in today's world right now. Yeah. So two parting uh, I love coursework it. suggestions. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you all for joining us on how to actually change the world. That was Carrie Jacobs. Please like, subscribe, leave a comment, and then go ahead and hit that bell notification. That way you can get notified every single time we drop an episode. My name is Darvin Wentes, and that was How to Actually Change the World. We'll see you on the next one.